Thank you, Carrie. What a wonderful testimony and song. God has been so good. <clears throat> you know, I think a big part of a lot of the problems we see in our society today really come back to that simple concept of acknowledging the goodness of God or what we see around us, an entitlement mentality. What do I have to be grateful for? I deserve all this stuff. And um, um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Proverbs 68, or Psalm, Psalm 68, rather, Psalm 68. We'll come back to our uh, First Corinthians study next week, but, uh, you know, I felt like uh, it wasn't quite right to not do a uh, Thanksgiving message with all that the Bible has to say about Thanksgiving. And um, Psalm 68... And uh, look at verse number 19. We'll just look at one verse as we get started. I'll look at several verses this morning, but uh, we'll start with Psalm, uh, Psalm 68, verse number 19. It says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation, Selah. Blessed be the Lord, who daily loadeth us with benefits. And I tell you what, if all God ever did was just simply save us, how much more than we deserve. And yet, He daily loads us with benefits. As uh, my wife just sung, though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, because through it all, God's been good. I'm just amazed. You know, I pillow my head at night to think of all the goodness of God. And uh, so, a word of prayer as we uh, get into this this morning. Father, we do thank you for, for this time. Thank you for these that have come out, Lord. And, uh, and I do pray that as you look upon this uh, humble congregation, that you truly would see a heart of gratitude. We are humbled by the goodness of our God. And Lord, you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our sacrifice. You are worthy of our lives. So Lord, I pray that we would not only this week get, give some thanksgiving to you, but we would truly live lives of thanks living. Help us, Lord, as your servants and your people today to give you the proper place you deserve in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. You know, George Washington was the first one to give uh, a Thanksgiving proclamation. And, um, and he laid it out. This was uh, shortly after the war, and uh, he said this, Whereas it is the duty of all nations, all nations, to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, he was just a deist, by the way, or he was just an agnostic. The providence of Almighty God to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. And whereas both House of Congress have and their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer, to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and, uh, and, and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peace, peace, uh, peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. I don't know if you caught all that, but first of all, the president said this, and he was encouraged to say so by Congress. Oh, but God has no place in our government. Can you imagine if a president says something like this today and encouraged to do so by Congress? 
It's, it's, it's sad and humorous at the same time, but more sad. He says this, Now therefore I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is, to, who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks of his kind care and protection of the people of this country previous to their becoming a nation, and for the signal, uh, uh, yeah, signal and manifold mercies of the favorable uh, interpositions of his providence in the course and conclusion of the late war, for the great decree of tranquility, union, and plenty which we have since enjoyed." For the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been able and uh, 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 to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly the national one now lately instituted, for the civil and religious liberty with, uh, with which we are blessed, and the means we have of acquiring and diffusing useful knowledge, and in general, for all the great and various favors which He, that's God, has been pleased to confer upon us. And also that we may then unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations, and beseech Him to pardon our national and other transgressions. To enable us, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed. To, um, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as have shown kindness unto us, and to bless them with good governments, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue and increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a decree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be best. Given under my hand at the city of New York the third day of October, and, and he signs it. That was our first president. Several years later, Abraham Lincoln gave a very similar proclamation. I, want you, I won't read that to you, but, but very similar with, uh, with the Civil War in his rearview mirror. Here, George Washington had the Revolutionary War in his rearview mirror. And what were they moved to do? Give thanks. And Congress was involved. Uh, later, uh, it, was, uh, it was Grant who, who signed it into law that we would recognize it as a national holiday. What's interesting is Abraham Lincoln, as he wrote it, he actually wrote it on his train ride to D.C., penciled it, scribbled it down on a piece of paper, gave his Thanksgiving proclamation, and there was a reporter there from New York, and he said, can I get a copy of your speech? And he just said, here you go, and just handed him the handwriting. He didn't think much of it at all. And that guy then published it and then threw it away. <laughs> didn't think much of it at all. And yet the spirit of those proclamations and recognizing what's interesting is not only the goodness of God, one thing that Abraham Lincoln pointed out was uh, he believed the Civil War was a part of God's punishment for our sins as a nation. And, uh, and both of them, both Washington and Lincoln, mentioned pardon for our national sins. You know, that's very consistent with the prophets of old. We have sinned with our fathers was confessed by them and 
and, uh, and this, this idea of as a nation. We see a lot of in the Old Testament of God addressing nations as a whole. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. All right? The wicked shall be turned to hell and all the nations that forget God. It's very interesting, you know, when you look through Scripture, what God has to say about thanksgiving and what God has to say about ingratitude. In Romans 1, if you're familiar with your Bibles, in Romans 1 we know this, uh, the, the, the really the downfall, the debauchery of society, and it starts with, because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, and neither were thankful then what happens next? They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And, and, uh, and it kind of goes on this whole list of just, uh, just gross and immoral sins uh, uh, you know, listed in such a way that, that sometimes they get a little uncomfortable even reading it in this setting. But that's where it all started was when they knew God. They didn't glorify Him. They weren't thankful for all that God had done to deny, to, to, to flat out deny the one that so clearly gave me life and I even deny His existence. Forget gratitude. I'm just going to ignore He's even there. What God? <laughs> you know, going to do this. As uh, Richard Dawkins, a famous atheist, said uh, when he was asked the question, what if you are wrong and God does exist? He said, then I will ask him, why did you go through such great lengths to hide yourself from me? Well, it's hard to see when you're doing this. And you refuse to see the truth. I love Romans 1. It basically explains how God doesn't believe in atheists. How could we, the, benef uh, the beneficiaries of, his, of so many blessings, deny he even exists? much less are unthankful. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 1 and 2, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, and the list goes on. Unthankful. 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 10. Uh, uh, the, the whole first half of 1 Corinthians, uh, Paul is using uh, the, the church in the wilderness, ancient Israel, as, a, as an example. Uh, in sample is the word that's used there, a model or a picture uh, to not fall into the same way they fell. And then he talks about idolatry. He talks about immorality. He talks about all these different things. And then you have this verse that says, uh, let him that thinketh he stand take heed. In other words, as you're looking at this, you're thinking, well, I wouldn't fall into that. I wouldn't fall into those traps. And he says, take heed, lest ye also fall. But right in the middle of that, in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 10, it says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. This was the church in the wilderness. This was ancient Israel. And you know what they did? They murmured, and they complained, they, which is the opposite of Thanksgiving, right? Murmuring and complaining. And it says they were destroyed of the destroyer. You know, I think back, and I look at the history of Israel. There was a time when, when Korah led this rebellion against uh, Moses and Aaron. You know, who put you in charge and who, who did this? And if you're familiar with the story, fascinating story. Moses prays a simple prayer. He says, Lord, if you've sent me, uh, or if you have not sent me, let these die a natural death. But if uh, you have sent me, then let something new happen. And all of a sudden, the ground opens up, swallows Korah and all those that were, uh, that were uh, under Korah and the family, and then the earth closes up again. Can you imagine being Moses? Any other questions? <clears throat> What's amazing is if you read the chapter, the very next thing they start doing, they start murmuring and complaining why Moses had to do that and they died. 
instead of learning their lesson, they continue murmuring. So you know what happens next? 14,700 die by plague. And what ended up having to do is Aaron had to start burning incense and start very aggressively and frantically start burning incense to stay the plague. And the Bible says that Aaron stood between uh, the dead and the living. And he stopped the plague, but 14,700 for murmuring about people that were killed for murmuring. We don't, we're very slow to learn, aren't we? Not much has changed in a few thousand years, right? You know, it's interesting. More people, uh, by the way, let's fast forward just a little bit more. Moses says, uh, all right, guys, we're going to go take this land. Sends out some spies. Ten spies come back, and what do they do? They cause the congregation to murmur yet again. Well, what did that one cost? A whole generation had to perish in the wilderness. God killed more people in the Old Testament for murmuring than all the other sins combined. It's funny how we have our pet sins, right? Well, it was a little white lie. It wasn't, I wouldn't call it a sin. You know, It's not like I robbed a bank. How is robbing a bank more, more of a sin than, than murmuring? You see, we like to point out the real bad ones, and especially the ones we're not involved in. And we give ourselves a pass. This is going to be a positive message, I promise. <laughs> but I want to kind of give the idea of where our hearts are as a society, as a people. You know, when, uh, when Abraham Lincoln wrote his proclamation, Thanksgiving proclamation, he was talking about just the horrible civil war that took place, brother against brother. He was talking about the national sins and how we need to plead with God. We need to give him thanks where he has blessed us. Abraham Lincoln also made a proclamation for a day of fasting while he was in office. And he talks about how we've been intoxicated by unbroken success. And what it's done is it's caused us for, to forget the one who'd given us all those blessings. Let me just say, America has been blessed. By any account, by any measurement, we have to step back and say, wow, this is a unique place. This has been a very blessed place. And even if you have just the, a smidgen of, of religious uh, perspective, you would say, God has blessed this place. And we've gotten so used to it. I think about how people are so attacking the fabric of our society. And what's interesting is you don't see people complaining necessarily about um, the wickeds of our society. You know what the, bi- the loud voices are saying? They're attacking America as founded. They're attacking America. You know, I'm looking at some of these things. As George Washington is saying, hey, let's, let's get our attention to God himself, God Almighty. Capital P, providence. Capital D, divine. Capital B, being. Right? We're, you know, let, let's turn our attention to God. The attack is on God. And then the, and the ingratitude and this, you know, well, you know, this, this um, uh, what do you call it, the um, entitlement mentality. You know, as soon as you're entitled, you will not be grateful. You understand that? That's one of the beauties of grace. You know, and when Paul makes this case about grace and works, 
and, uh, and, and how they're contrary, you know, and, and uh, if, it's, if it's of grace, there's no more works, and it's, you know, it's not of debt, but if it's of works, then it's like you're paying off this debt. You know, very similarly, you know who is grateful for their salvation? Those who believe they did not deserve it and did nothing for it. If I'm working off my salvation, uh, I'm not grateful for that thing. <laughs> or maybe, maybe I wouldn't be like I would when I understand that there's nothing I can do to earn it. And when all of a sudden I see one who is slave to his own sin and God, uh, God freely forgives me and frees me from that bondage, how can I not serve him with my life? How can I not accept when the Bible says, hey, you're not your own, you've been bought with a price. Yep, that's me. Hey, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God. Well, why not? That sounds reasonable. He purchased me. And so when I look and I say, wow, the Lord has daily loaded me with benefits, uh, I, can, uh, I can attest to that. Hey, I made it to church today. I didn't break down. There's a benefit. I have a family that loves me. There's a benefit. I have a warm house to go home to. There's a benefit. I have a job. There's a benefit. I stand today in the top percentile of the world in many accounts financially, my health, the things that are available to me, if there are problems, healthcare and all this kind of stuff. I tell you what, we're a blessed people. You know, I love Thanksgiving. I, I really do think Thanksgiving is the most Christian of holidays because of what it draws from us. It requires us to take action and act like Christians in the most simple way, and that is being a thankful person. If God is so strong about not being thankful, and over and over in the Psalms and in the Proverbs and, and all throughout Scripture, we see His admonition to give thanks, to give praise to, to the one who has so blessed us, and, and we have this over and over again in Scripture, then, then that kind of tells me the Christian thing to do, the Christian disposition is to be that of thanksgiving. It should be a natural thing. By the way, teach your children to be thankful. If, if their friend's parents give them a ride, they better say thank you. If, if, uh, if, if someone buys them a meal, they should say thank you. If someone opens the door for them, they should say thank you. I remember one time I opened the door for uh, four ladies in a row went in, and not one of them said thank you. And one of them actually like, looked at me like I was in her way. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> you know? But that's our society. Yeah, you're going to hold the door for me. You know? Thankful in little things. You know? but, but, but really, and it's amazing. You know, we set aside, uh, uh, you know, uh, for most people, you know, it's a, kind of a four-day weekend, and, and, uh, and we, we spend time with family. And, and uh, by the way, don't let things hijack it. You know? I, know, I know there's football games and that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the game or, or whatnot, but, but let's keep the focus where it belongs. And, we started a tradition a couple of years ago. We put a, um, uh, um, uh, what do you call that paper? Paper. We call it paper. Brown paper. We put a roll of brown paper across the table in the middle and a bunch of markers. And while we sit there, we, we start writing out different things that we're thankful for or coloring a picture of it or whatever. And we get everybody involved and we, and we mark the thing up. By the end of the day, it's just full of things that we're thankful to God for. And, uh, you know, but setting that aside today, it's amazing. The day that we set aside as the, most, the biggest day of gratitude is then followed by a weekend of the greatest time of covetousness, Black Friday. And uh, I say the weekend because they just keep expanding that now. It's 
blown up into something crazy. But I remember a few years ago when I think it was PS3, PlayStation 3 came out, somebody got trampled to death on Black Friday to get this PlayStation. Really? Is that really worth someone's life? I mean, <laughs> wasn't yet, weren't just yesterday you were like being so thankful for things? But anyways, uh, you know, the, but, 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 but I love of all the traditions and things that, that we look at this. And by the way, uh, tradition by itself is not bad. Don't be afraid of that word. Paul talked about following the traditions that they've shared. There are good traditions. Problem becomes when the tradition, problem is when the tradition becomes our religion. I'm trusting in my traditions and so forth. But I think it's a great tradition. You know, someone, someone said, hey, pastor, I'm going to read the Thanksgiving story to my family. Where do I find that in the Bible? Guess what? You're right. Thanksgiving is not a biblical holiday in that sense of the word, but I would say it is the most Christian. As we set aside a time to give thanks, we set aside to intentionally have a Christian attitude, an attitude of gratitude. That's what Christianity is, a grateful people. By the way, when, you, when, when that becomes just your disposition, that, that of gratitude, it changes so many other aspects of your life. It's amazing how hard some people look all the time. It's just etched in their face, just upset. You know, you should, hey, you should give thanks sometime, buddy. See what I'll do for you. Thank the Lord. Recognize him. What is there to give thanks for? How about the breath you're breathing? How about the, the, the air you're breathing? The space you're taking up on God's planet? If you're saved, your salvation, boy. I could spend eternity thanking God for my salvation alone. So what are we to be thankful for? That's really the question. There's so many things. You know, we sang the song this morning, count your blessings, name them one by one. I love that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, that last stanza. It's almost like the songwriter sat down. He's like, you know what? I'm going to make a list of all the things that God's been faithful and all the things that God has blessed me with. And he starts writing, pardon for sin. Boy, we can talk a while on that. Man, a peace that endureth, a peace that passes understanding, a strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. And, and, he, and he get, you almost see like he starts getting overwhelmed with all these things that he's thinking of. He puts his pen down and, and he's like, man, these blessings are all mine and there's 10,000 more that I could write about. Great is thy faithfulness. And, uh, you know, I, I just almost picture that in my head, you know, putting together a Thanksgiving list for God. What are we thankful for? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What's God's will for my life? Give thanks. What should I give thanks for? Everything. Now, it's easy and obvious to thank God for the promotion, to thank God for, you know, the good things that come our way, for our children. But how about everything? Typically, everything includes everything. But it includes bad things. It includes difficulties. I'm always blown away when I hear of a Christian that gets cancer or something like that, and they say, you know, the first thing I did is I thank God. What? How is that possible? How could you, your first response be, you know, not, God, why me? But, but thank you, Lord. You know, God trusts us with these things. We are stewards of these things. We're stewards of our trials. Did you know that? How are you going to respond when those difficulties come? Everything we're to give thanks for. I heard one person commentate on this verse. In everything, give thanks for the will of God and Christ Jesus concerning you. And what he had said was, what this means is, in everything that happens in our life, there's something in there that we can thank God for. And I thought, that's good, but I think you're coming way short. 
I think it literally means what it says, everything. Give thanks. Everything. Now, again, the good things, of course, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift cometh from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. What about those negative things? What about the tough things, the things that shape us into who we are? Um, that includes, this includes everything. You know, James, uh, um, yeah, James talks about it in James 1, he says, counter all joy, my brethren, when we fall into diverse temptations. Sounds like he wants me to say thanks. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. I, I'm to give thanks for my trials. Why? Because they're working patience in me. By the way, you want to develop patience, start practicing thankfulness. It's going to help you with your patience. 1 Peter 1.7 explains that our trials are of great value. It says this, uh, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found under the praise, thanksgiving, and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. What's it saying about our trial? It's more valuable than gold. If I, if I were to put up here, all right, guys, I got a gold bar and I've got a trial. You get to pick which one. God's value system says right there, the trial. Trial. Now, I'd love to try the experiment. I, I think I can make more value out of the gold. Lord, would you give me a chance to try this one out? God says, your trial is more valuable, more precious than gold. And here's what's going to happen at, at his appearing. It's going to bring about praise. Wow. What a strange thought. You know, uh, how, how can we come to this point, how we truly see trials as precious? And how, 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 could, how could that be? Uh, uh, it is often in those times that we truly see God. That's what Paul's experience was, and he expressed his desire for Christ. He says, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, which we'd all say, yeah, I want to know Christ in the power and in power of his resurrection. But he says, in the fellowship of his suffering. When Paul talks about his experiential knowledge of God, he said there was a fellowship that came, that only came with identifying with Christ's suffering. And what did Paul say? That's my aim in life. That's my desire. That's my goal. That's the thing I'm pursuing after, that I may know him in that light. The fellowship of his suffering. And we know that, of course, uh, Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also predestinate us to be, uh, to, to be conformed to the image of his Son. By the way, verse 29 has to go with verse 28 because there's the good. Uh, all things, in the context of Romans 8, and, and it shows up in several other places, of course it means everything, but I think the special emphasis is placed on the fact that those are negative things. In the same chapter, God goes on to say how, how uh, uh, he who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not freely give us all things? With him, it says, freely give us all things. And people love to quote that. If God didn't spare his own son, then, then what's going to keep him back from just pouring blessings on me? That doesn't make sense. No, let's put it, let's make sense of the verse. He who spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? How shall he not allow the same negative things to come into our life for his purpose? That's why it has to go on to say 
what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who could be against us? What shall we say to this trial? If God be for us, who, should be, who can be against us? What shall I say to this infirmity, this illness? This, if God be for us, who can be against us? If we understand this, and then it goes on, what shall separate us from the love of God? And, and uh, can any of these things separate us from God? No. And in that we say, praise be to God. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free and And yeah, there's going to be some trials, folks. But it's such amazing hope we have as believers. So to that we say, thank you, Lord. Do you praise God for all things? It's easy. I mean, we tell our children, we do something for them. What do you say? Thank you. You know. But do we say thank you when they fall down? Do they say thank you when their sibling was mean to them? We don't think that way. I don't think I've ever told my children, have you thanked God for (laughs) your brother hitting you? (laughs) God's at work in each of our lives, and the end goal is to make us like Jesus Christ. It's interesting what the Bible says about Jesus and suffering. It says that Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. That verse just blows my mind. I, I, I wrestle with it. How does, first of all, how does Jesus have to learn anything? And he learned obedience by the things he suffered. Did you know you and I learn obedience the same way? That's why we believe in biblical discipline. We associate wrong behavior with pain. Why? So they learn obedience by the things they suffer. But, you know, as we go through things, what did David say? He said, he said it is good that I've been afflicted that I might know thy statutes. What? It's good that I go through these bad things, God. That's how, that's how I understand your word better. Huh? Yeah, that's what Romans talks about. Romans 5 talks about tribulation, working patience, and patience experience and experience hope. We take the word of God and, and it's all theoretical until we are then faced with a trial. And what ends happening, it starts to develop something in me uh, that we call experience. I've now lived this principle out to be true, and that gives me great hope. Great hope, uh, great expected end in my God. You see, God's doing something in our lives, and he works all things. Sometimes amidst the confusion or frustration of, of dark days, we may wonder how could, how could uh, we possibly thank God for such loss, for such discouragement, for such disappointment. We look around, we turn on the TV, and we think, how could I thank God? We, we, we see... We see our, our uh, representatives in, in, in Washington, D.C. selling away our future. We think, how can we thank God? We can thank God. By faith, trusting in God's goodness and, and the best for you. We utter these words, Lords, I do, Lord, I do not understand, but I trust you. I thank you for the work that you're doing in my life. I don't understand it all, Lord, but I trust you. As the one man that came to Jesus, and Jesus said, well, if you have faith, he says, I, 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 I have faith, but Lord, help thou my unbelief. Would you make up where I fall short? God, I don't see the being from the end like you do, but I'm going to trust you. Can I say God's worthy of your trust? He's worthy of your thanksgiving, but he's worthy of your trust. And, and I, let me say this, our faithfulness should not be dependent or even compared to God's faithfulness. 
God is the one that's faithful here. And we can trust him. So we see, what should we give thanks for? Everything. Everything. Your thanksgiving list should be so long. You should get tired. <laughs> By the way, you have trouble sleeping at night? Why don't you just start thanking God? He might give you sweet sleep. Who should we, to whom should we give thanks? Here's an interesting thing. Have you been around lost people around Thanksgiving time? I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for this. Well, well, by virtue of, of giving thanks, there has to be a recipient of that thanks. So to whom, pray tell, are you giving thanks to, unbeliever? And if we're not careful as believers, we fall into the same trap. We just simply say, well, I'm thankful for this, and I'm thankful for this. No, no, no. I thank God for this, and I thank God for this. He is the one. He is the one from whom all blessings flow. Uh, we, 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 we praise him. Psalm 92, verse 1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praise unto thy name, O Most High. Hey, let's praise the Lord. Let's make sure those uh, understand who we're giving thanks to, that, that there is one worthy. We don't just give thanks general. We direct our thanksgiving. He is the one. Um, this Thanksgiving and really every day, we should make it very clear to whom we're giving thanks, to whom we're thankful. Think of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You notice what the heavenly hosts are doing? Remember Isaiah chapter 6? The angels, they wouldn't stop day or night calling one to the other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord uh, of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And then the other one cries back to him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Back and forth. And, and as Isaiah is describing the scene of heaven, he says that, that the pillars of heaven shook at their voices. These were some massive creatures. These weren't little angel babies flying around. <laughs> These were angelic beasts crying with, with booming voices that shook the pillars of heaven, giving praise due to God's name. It's amazing when you see a few of the heavenly visions about the kind of praise that happens in heaven. Revelation, and the, and the elders there, and the creatures giving praise to the one who's worthy of praise. Blessed be the Lamb that had been slain. Folks, the Bible doesn't say a lot about heaven, but we start to get a glimpse. And when the Bible says in the Psalms that God inhabits the praises of Israel, I think to myself, what's heaven going to be like as the very habitation of God as we praise him? I think about times where, where we gather together, we share testimony, we just give praise and we sing. And, and there have just been times when I've just been so moved. Cause, why? Because God inhabits praise. There's something about praise. There's something about gratitude. There's something about bringing it before God, the one who deserves it, where God just kind of shows up and does special things. I'm not trying to sound charismatic or anything like that, but it's very interesting when you see all the things that God says about, about murmuring and grumbling and complaining and all the things that he says about thankfulness all throughout Scripture and the fact that God says, I am a jealous God and I will share my glory with no one. That tells me something about how he feels about praise, about recognition, about what he has done. That's our God. And he's worthy of our praise, in case you're wondering. 
Well, you haven't convinced me that he deserves it. <laughs> Are you here today? He deserves it. So we ought to bless the Lord. Psalm 72, verse 18, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I'm sorry, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. What is that? That's my thanksgiving list. The psalmist goes on, who forgiveth uh, thy sins and healeth diseases. And he kind of goes through this whole list. And uh, wow, what an amazing God. Far as east is from the west, has he removed our transgressions from us. That's this God. As a father pitieth his son, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. That's Psalm 103. We have a lot of things to be thankful for and to praise God for. Psalm 72, verse 18. Bless the Lord, who only doeth wondrous things. Think about that. Bless the Lord who only doeth wondrous things. Well, I don't know what's God done in my life. Are you kidding me? Are you paying attention? Are your eyes open? Are you awake today? I don't know if God's done anything in my life. Every one of us, if I just point to you, put you on the spot right now, uh, you should have something on the tip of your tongue. I can thank God for this. Ready? Who's ready? Let's do it at the same time. One. Two, three, give a Thanksgiving. Everyone says salvation. That's the easy one. That's a given. We're in church today. God's so good. God, is, God has been so good. My wife and I have done that song a few times. God's been good in my life. There have been a few times where we both choked up. And I'm not even singing it. I'm just playing the piano. But when my fingers choke up, but I think about the blessings and the goodness of God. He has been good. I feel blessed on my wildest dreams when I go to sleep at night. Though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Because through it all, God's been good. It's a blessing. It's interesting about this passage, this psalm, bless the Lord. Who's the blessing to? Did you know God is blessed? When we thank him, we're talking about our blessings. He's the blesser. But you know, he's blessed. We bless God when we recognize him. We actually bless God. Think about that. What could I really give to God? You know, even when we, we breathe our tithes and offerings and we say, I'm, I'm giving to the Lord and, and I'm sacrificing, we should do those things. But really, when we look at the grand scheme of things, how does God benefit anything from me? What can I give to God? You actually bless the heart of God when you give praise. You bless him. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. It's a blessing to God to remember his blessings. So speak of them. Sing of them. Share them often. Bless the Lord. You know, we truly are a blessed people. And, and uh, you know, we ought not to fall into the common thinking that says, I deserve this and I, I should have this. And, you know, and uh, I want justice, and I want, you know, all this kind of stuff. Let me, if you got justice, if you and I got justice, we, none of us would be here today. You understand that? <laughs> That's why I needed a legal pardon from God. If we got justice, God's been so good. We may recognize the goodness of God in our lives continually. It may be a habit but, but it's good to be reminded from time to time to go from thanksgiving to thanksgiving. That is just a part of my life. 
And it's beyond just, yeah, I have a grateful heart. Use it with your lips. Let's offer God the sacrifice of praise, uh, uh, even the uh, uh, sacrifice of thanksgiving, even the praise of our lips. There's an intentionality to it. God wants to hear it. There's a neat song called God Wants to Hear You Sing. And, and I think it's a very true song. God does want to hear you sing. I think of Paul and Silas in the prison cell. And what did they do? In the midnight hour, man, they just started singing. I would have loved to hear what they sang that night. I mean, it shook the prison doors. Talk about God inhabiting the praise of his people. God showed up. I can just imagine just there, you know, maybe Paul's talking to Silas and like they're sitting there and Paul's got a smile on his face. Paul, what are you smiling about? God's so good. He's not done with me yet. I, I, maybe, he, maybe he's already rehearsing a verse that he's going to write later on to Timothy. I thank God who has enabled me, kind of me faithful, putting me in the ministry, who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor of the church. Yet God enabled me. He put me into the ministry, and, and I could just see him. Maybe, you know, maybe he started singing, you know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. And say, filthy, rotten wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Maybe start singing a song, a testimony. For a long time I traveled down a long, lonely road. My heart was so heavy in sin I sank low. But I heard about Jesus. What a wonderful hour. I'm so glad that I found... Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, um, he saved me through his saving power and so forth. Thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. Been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm saved, saved, saved by his wonderful grace. I'm so glad that I found out he would bring me out and show me the way. I, I can just see the other prisoners. What is going on over there? So, so, so their testimony and their songs, the prison shakes and all the chains fall off. And what happens? Nobody leaves. Now, these are criminals, by the way. Not Paul and Silas, but the ones that were in prison. The chains fell off. This is like their only hope. Freedom, right? I almost wonder if they're like, I want to see what's going to happen next with these guys. The joy in this awful place, the testimony, the song, the guard comes and he's getting ready to kill himself. And he says, hey, do thyself no harm. We are all here. It's going to be okay. And that Philippian jailer, one of the first converts of the church of Philippi, falls down before Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Folks, usually it's not from the prisoner to the free man that someone starts teaching something. There's something about the praise. There's something about what God's done, that goodness. Psalm 30, verse number 12. To the end that my glory may sing praise to thee and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks unto thee forever. Forever. I don't want to ever get tired. I don't want to ever graduate from the, 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 the university of thanksgiving. You know, we're so quick. It's such a slippery slope. We get caught into stop glorifying God. We start murmuring. And we slip into darkness. 
We slip into discouragement. We slip into gross immorality. We, we fall down these traps. Why? Because we just stopped glorifying Him as God. I want to challenge us that we cultivate atmospheres in our homes, in our lives, in our church, that we be a praising people. Not just the third Thursday or the fourth Thursday of November, but all the time. This is just who we are. This is what we do. We glorify our Creator because He is simply worthy. You know, we have a lot to thank God for, and we're going to do that tonight. I do invite you back this evening. We're going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving service. You will not be sorry that you missed. But um, uh, did I say that wrong? You'll not be sorry that you came out. You'll be glad that you didn't miss. There we go. Um, but why don't we have for a time of invitation today, just spend some time praising the Lord. In fact, guys, if you can just cue up some piano music. Why don't we, uh, you can come to an old-fashioned altar, kneel at your chair, but let's just intentionally say, God, you've been good to me. Thank you. Thank you. Let's spend some time.